0: in the USA every Saturday from 6 9 Eastern, 3 to 6 Pacific. Welcome aboard, gang. For the past 24 years, bringing to you the top guest and information to help you radically change your life, to bring your life to the very next level. David Essel in the box with you. Studio E, Los Angeles, California. Nathan and Tricia stand, standing by side-by-side, by side, making sure that everything runs perfectly as they do every Saturday. 800-548-TALK. 1-800-548-TALK. The text number during the show, 941 266 7676 Before I go on and introduce my, our next guest, Sean Saunders, I wanted to just to remind everyone that every show we do is archived. So after 9 p.m. Eastern time tonight, you have friends and family that you go, oh, I wish they would have listened to the first hour with Dr. Romy talking about burnout. Don't worry. You can go after 9 o'clock tonight. Oh, gosh, I really wish that they would have heard Sean Saunders talking about her new book, The Covenant of Peace. Don't worry. They'll be able to listen after 9 p.m. Eastern tonight. They will be archived with all the other thousands and thousands of hours from the show over the years. You can just go to talkdavid.com and listen to it all. So here's a question. My my, my guest coming up in just a moment, Sean Saunders, author of the book, The Covenant of Peace. There's so much confusion out there about what God wants for us. You know, some people believe that God wants us to be of service and to suffer. Not kidding you. Lots of people believe that, that if I'm wealthy and healthy and happy, that I need to be on my knees uh, because I'm a sinner and because I don't deserve wealth and health and happiness. And then there's other people that are all about abundance and that God wants me to be wealthy and healthy and all those things. And we're going to find out. Sean has been in this business a long time, a speaker, an author, a writer, and more. we're going to find out her take on all this stuff of what does God really want for us, and are we supposed to be suffering, or are we supposed to be incredibly abundant, and we're going to find out right now. Sean, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you, David. Thanks for having me.
0: You're welcome. Now, before I get into answering the question that I just posed, I want to ask you, was there a turning point in your life When you decided that you were going to be doing the path that you're doing right now, was there something that happened? Was there a bottom, a down, or have you always been sort of guided to do the right thing and life has been easy? What's it been like for you?
1: I wish I could say to you that life has always been easy, but no, it hasn't. Um, Actually, I was one of those people who didn't believe that I could, and it just so happened that with a turn of events, I ended up in business and prospering, and so then I had to go back and examine what I was taught. So it was a journey that I was learning uh, as I go along, and Mm -hmm. then having to seek answers to things that I had been taught that I later found out were not true. And
0: so let's start there, Sean. What were you taught as as a little girl? What were you taught principles about God, faith, religion, business success that were not actually true?
1: Well, I was taught that God was a condemning God. If you sin, you die, you're going to go to hell. And um, you eat, and you by the sweat of your brow, you will eat. And so you were condemned to a life of laborious uh, um, uh, helplessness for the rest of your life. I was also taught that... Um, you know, God was a was a hard God, and He would judge you if you do anything wrong. So I, I really grew up in fear of God, really not really not seeing God as a loving, caring God who really cared about me, this little person on on this earth.
0: <laughs> yeah, I love it, this little person on this earth. I know a magnificent child of God, little person on this earth. <laughs>
1: yes. Yeah. First and of all, I didn't what... even think of myself as a child of God. I saw myself as you know a sinner. So, I couldn't yes. possibly be the
0: child of God. Right, exactly. Oh my gosh, Sean. I love to hear what you're saying because, and I'm going to say this for people that struggle. With where we're going to go in this conversation, I'm going to ask you to be open-minded and non-judgmental. If you were raised the way Sean was that there's a condemning God and a judging God and that we're afraid of him and if we don't finish our peas or if we don't do something, for Lord's sake, there's a billion things that we're supposed to do. If we don't do it, do it just perfectly, we're never going to have God's grace. What was the defining changing moment, Sean? The
1: changing moment came when I realized that I was created for purpose. I was created to do more than just exist. And when I began to realize that, then I, it, the reality set in that, okay, if I'm going to do all of this, I need money. How do I get that money? I mean, it's wonderful first to want to help the poor, but you need money to help the poor. And so I had to now realize that, you know what, money cannot be so bad if I needed to do the good that God wants me to do, so I had to change my mindset, step out there, and begin to realize that I have to earn this money. I have to find a way to get this money to flow into my life so that I could use it as the tool that it is really intended to be, instead of hoarding it and then being perceived as greedy.
0: And and Sean, do you remember what age this awareness came to you?
1: I was, um, I probably was about thirty. I think uh, let me see now th- 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 about thirty two.
0: Thirty
1: two. Uh, yeah, thirty two.
0: And was there and someone that opened your your eyes? Was it like a, a preacher opened your eyes, a book opened your eyes, a mentor opened your eyes? What 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 happened?
1: I wish I could tell you that it was a preacher that opened my eyes. Um, what happened was I was going through a lot of internal conflict about what I believe. And I begin to question, if I am serving this God, do I really know him, and what does he really want for me? Because I'm reading this Bible that tells me that God owns all of this stuff, and he wants me to be happy and blessed, but yet still I'm suffering and I'm feeling so broken down. And so I begin to um, really press into my meditation. And it was in my meditation that I began Mm. to get a revelation that made me realize that, you know what, anything is possible, yes, like the Word of God says, but it's required something of me. And so I went through a a change of mindset where I renewed my mind to realize that I had to drop some of the things I've been taught by the Church, and I had to develop an internal um, principles, which were desire, determination, and discipline, that if I want something bad enough, God would give it to me because I found this scripture in the Bible psalm 37 4 that said god will grant me the desires of my heart and my heart really was to make a difference i wanted to see if i can ease the pain of people that were suffering i had grown up in poverty so i really hate poverty and i wanted to stop the suffering of people but i couldn't do it if i didn't have money so i was like god okay this is my desire to do this So I need you to empower me, um, show me how to prosper. And so I started reading books on on money and wealth and and all that stuff. So I really had to step out of the Church into the secular world, started reading books on on that stuff. And then I was able to now go back and what I call ease my conscience by finding scriptures in the Bible that show, yes, this is okay, God does want me to do this, okay, so let's keep moving forward. And it was a self-taught process and uh, really in my time of meditation.
0: That's interesting. That's fascinating. You know what? What you know? What just popped into my head when we we're talking about money? One of the greatest fundraisers of all times was Mother Teresa. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know, I mean, that little woman could raise some money. She knew the value of cash because without it, she could have never done the work she did around the world. Isn't that true, that's Sean? Right.
1: That is very true, and that's what I think the church is missing. They're, now, I, I'll say something here that a lot of Christian people may not like the church some churches understand the value of money they understand how powerful it is and instead but and they have used that knowledge to get people to seed into them and to give to their ministries and to make their ministries bigger and larger but the trickle-down effect of that is that there's very little evidence of that money manifesting into their congregations into their membership or the people that follow them the people that give are still walking away every day in the same condition they were when they first started giving, not really improving. And so wow. I had a problem with that.
0: Um, yes. And, and yeah. I was looking at that. Yeah. I, I lo- Sean, we're going to talk more about that in a second. Sean Saunders is my guest. The name of the book, The Covenant of Peace. Her website is sean-saunders.com, sean-saunders.com. Check that out. We're going to come back and talk much more about God, abundance, you. We want you to get involved mentally, emotionally, physically, and start to shift uh, from a faith-based perspective. Get Become more wealthy. Become healthier, happier. Sean Saunders is going to come and guide us on the way back. TalkDavid.com is our website. So much more to come. Stay right there.
2: To create the life you've always wanted, here's what a few clients had to say about their coaching sessions with Master Life Coach David Essel.
1: My life used to be filled with
0: drama and chaos. David focuses on solutions. I have seen such calmness in my personal relationships and even my workplace. Getting out of denial about my uh, social drinking was a big step. I'm free six months now and feel fantastic.
2: You can have what these clients have found working one-on-one with David at TalkDavid.com. That's TalkDavid.com. we
0: David.com.
2: Clients who have worked one-on-one with Master Life Coach David Essel are learning how to change their lives.
3: For 30 years, I had been struggling in a codependent relationship, and I had abandoned all that was sacred to me. And after just five months working with David, my life has totally turned around. David's work has changed my life forever. I am truly finding my joy again.
2: Client success has come from focus and accountability with David, and the same can happen for you. Life coaching programs start at under $200, so visit TalkDavid.com. That's TalkDavid.com. we
3: When I began working with David Essel, I was a single mom, completely disempowered and living in fear.
2: Clients who have worked one-on-one with Master Life Coach David Essel are learning how to change their lives.
3: And now, just one year later, I am the executive director of a nonprofit and really feeling my power in the world.
2: Their success has come from focus and accountability with David, and the same can happen for you. Life coaching programs start at under $200, so visit TalkDavid.com. That's TalkDavid.com.
0: Are you exhausted in life, feeling that whatever you do is never enough to see lasting change? I'm David Essel, XM radio host and author of the new free book, The Power of Focus, yours at talkdavid.com. We're giving away 1 million copies of The Power of Focus free at talkdavid.com. You deserve your desires. Get your free book, The Power of Focus, today at talkdavid.com. For 21 years, positive talk radio equals David Essel alive. Listen on XM 168 every Saturday, 6 to 9 Eastern, 3 to 6 Pacific. Would you like to learn the secrets of the most successful people in life to radically change your life and then help others do the same? Hi, I'm David Essel. Since 1996, we've been teaching people from all over the world how to become certified life coaches. These classes can be done in person or via teleconference from anywhere in the USA. And we even offer these life-changing courses via a one-on-one option. Our certification is so effective that it's the only one offered in the USA on a college campus. Visit LifeCoachUniverse.com. That's LifeCoachUniverse.com. It's always a good time.
2: There. Doesn't matter when, it's always a good time. It's always a good time. Whoa. You're tuned in to David Essel Live, America's positive radio show. Like us on Facebook and listen to hundreds of inspirational archive shows at talkdavid.com. Now here's your host, Mr. Motivation. David Essel.
0: Uh, coast to coast for the past 24 years, bringing you exciting, open, powerful guests like Sean Saunders, my guest right now, author of the book, The Covenant of Peace, to you so that we can help you move to the next level in life, mentally, physically, spiritually, financially, love-wise, and more. 1-800-548-TALK. 1-800-548-TALK. Text us during the show, 941 7676 Sean, you said something fascinating before the break. You said that... That you do have a struggle with some of the congregations and churches where that they're really good at raising money, but it doesn't help their immediate congregation. Talk more about that.
1: Well, what I've seen so far, and I've I've been involved in ministry for 14 years, I've seen and uh, I'm not speaking about any particular ministry, but there are a number of ministries that are successfully raising money, and you would hear and see pictures of what they've done internationally, but the the congregants themselves that attend church on a regular basis that actually are giving this money are not really prospering. I've seen people losing their homes over the years, losing their cars, uh, I mean, losing just about everything, and they're coming to me and asking me questions, oh, Sean, how can I turn this around? How can I do this? And I begin to feel that pain, because I, I know that they're giving from a place of, of feeling that it is an obligation towards God, but right. I also know that they don't have what the tools and the education needed to move into the, the, what they really need. Instead, what they're hearing is, if your mortgage needs to be paid, then you need to sow a seed of $100 into the church, and God is going to miraculously pay your bill. Well, when that doesn't happen, what is happening is that people are now becoming disillusioned with God, when mm. in actual fact God may never have said... Give me a hundred dollars. I'm going to pay your mortgage. God, I never know. I never saw God write a check for anybody yet. So right. to me, that is wrong to tell somebody to mm-hmm. do that when when what they really need are tools to teach them how to manage their money, teach them how to properly meet their financial needs in the physical world that we actually live in. Yes, you need faith, but you need faith with practicality, with mm-hmm. um, with what I call uh, strategic steps towards building a financial future.
0: I like that. Now, okay, then that's going to bring up an interesting question: Is that how does an individual make that choice to tithe to a church that when the church isn't feeding them back, do they change congregations? Or what do you think the answer to that is?
1: Well, I think what people need to do is sit down and have I call do an introspective uh, truth search within themselves and say, you know, from I've been doing this, have I grown? Is there something that I can show for what I have been believing and practicing? And if the answer is no, then you, you need to move on. Move yeah. on and find, because you are responsible for what you allow into your mind, into your heart, because it governs your, your thought process, it governs your decisions, and which eventually affects your actions. If the, the things that you've been doing for years are not manifesting the results that you've been hoping for, then obviously something is wrong in that equation. You have a responsibility to yourself, and that's why in the book I say, There's an accountability, not only on the part of leadership in the church for what they tell people, but there's also an accountability to the people that listen to this and say, you know what, I've been listening to you for all these years, and guess what, I'm still in the same position, if not worse, and I don't want to listen to you anymore. You have to take that stand now and say, you know what, I'm not going to blame God. I have to now blame myself, and I have to blame what I've been listening to.
0: Yeah, yeah, be responsible, right? For be for our actions. Oh my god, be responsible. What what do you think about the concept of tithing? Uh, should it be 10%? If you don't have a congregation, can does it matter where the money goes? Tell me about that. Percentages, where we donate, Sean, give us give us your thoughts.
1: Well, the actual word tithe means tenth part, so it really does imply 10%. Um, I will tell you that if you belong to a church, and I always liken membership in a church like membership to a gym. If you go to a church and you're a member there, remember that the light, the water, and everything has to be paid for. So, yes, you, you pay a membership dues if you can think of that in that kind of way. And I always encourage people to please take make sure that, Jessica, you take care of your gym. Make sure that every all the amenities you're looking for are there by, by paying your dues. Um, does it have to be to a particular place? If you don't belong to a particular church, you can go wherever you want to. On the other hand, while people will tell you you must give, there is also a scripture in the Bible in Second Corinthians 8, verse 12, I believe, that says that, well, first of all, Paul is talking about giving being a ministry, and God wants us to be a cheerful giver, which you will hear the church say all the time. But right down past that, it says, but you're giving should not make life easy for somebody else and difficult for you because what's going to happen the joy of giving is going to be gone and so you're not giving as a cheerful giver which is how god really wants you to give it so i always tell people you know you can give your tithes give offerings whatever you want to give but never 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 give everything you have and leave yourself inconvenient because the right. Bible says you should not
0: yeah you You mentioned earlier that you you grew up in poverty yourself
1: yes, i did
0: and I and did. tell us I about did. there where 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 were you raised and what was it like?
1: I grew up on the largest island in the Bahamas called andros, which is a very it 's twenty eight miles west of Nassau, and mm-hmm. I grew up in a in a home where my mother had five children not married, and I was the youngest of five so we we were very poor. Um, uh, but but I, but the interesting thing about us, I never knew how poor I was until I actually came out of my environment. I thought we would live pretty good, but um, <laughs> <laughs> so and like, you know it's amazing what you can learn when you expand right. your horizon. So yes. we, I grew up with a mother who made my clothes because we couldn't afford to buy clothes, and then I wore one pair of shoes for a whole year. So if it got too small, too bad, you still had to wear it. Um, mm. I grew up having to grow some of our food, cooking and washing by hand and all that stuff. Yes, I came out of a very poor environment. So when I see it, I know the devastating effect of poverty. And when I hear people in the church talking about money is a bad thing, money is the root of all evil, it, it bothers me because if money was not present, there could not be so much level of charity in this world. Mm. It might not a good thing. And when they talk about rich people as being greedy and rich people being bad people, it bothers me because the level of need that this world has and the level of charity that has been going out there could never have happened if we didn't have multimillionaires and billionaires because the government can't do it. So when you begin to look at what good money does, you now begin to wonder, am I supposed to have this? Should I I have a dream to make a difference, but that means I really have to have money. If you have no money, you have no power, you have no say. You mm-hmm. can't change anything without money. But so church, valid.
0: Yes, keep you, going.
1: But, but the church, on the other hand, will not teach you that. They'll tell you, oh, it's, it's, it's uh, easy for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And, and I always answer people and tell them, listen, money is a tool. If you choose to use it for what it's created for. However, if you hoard money, you can be considered mm-hmm. greedy because mm-hmm. hoarding is a sign of selfishness. And if you hoard money, yes, you can be greedy. But if you are a person who recognizes that I'm making this money because, yes, I want to live good, but I also want to make a difference, how can you be called greedy? You're, you're basically and... here to be of service.
0: Yeah. And ladies and gentlemen, if you are attracting, if you see wealthy people who actually are what Sean is saying are very greedy people, the chances are that you're attracting them because of your belief systems. We know in the past 24 years, we've interviewed many, many, many outrageously successful multimillionaires on this show. Every one of them that have become friends of mine, acquaintances of mine are amazing people who give back constantly. The world is filled with more multimillionaires who do good than multi-millionaires who do bad. Wouldn't you say that would be true, Sean?
1: Absolutely so. Absolutely. I agree. Mm. I think what mm. happened, and too, is that um, the, the ones that that are portrayed in the media are the ones that people tend to focus on because, again, we limit ourselves so much to what other people tell us rather than seeking knowledge. And, and so we are now operating in a society where whatever, if it comes on television, it's true. If it's said on the Internet, it's true. And we are not accountable to learning for ourselves. Um, when we stop and think about all the charities, how are these charities operating? How is all this good being done? If it was not for somebody giving that money, it's not the government that's doing it. Right. So how can you right. sit on your seat when you've done nothing with your life? You've not gone out there to pursue a dream and vision that God placed in your heart. You have not done anything to make a difference in this world, but you're going to judge.
0: Right. I I love it. Sean, hang in there. Sean Saunders, author of the book, The Covenant of Peace. We're going to come back with Sean. We're going to a quick break. I'm digging this interview. This is wonderful. Open your minds. Open your eyes to the beauty of abundance and sharing that abundance in the correct way. Of course, this interview will be archived at 9 p.m. Eastern Time tonight at TalkDavid.com. For your friends and family that may have missed it live, I'm David Essel. Stay right there.
2: Tuned in to David Essel Live, America's Positive Radio Show. Like us on Facebook and listen to hundreds of inspirational archive shows at talkdavid.com. Now here's your host, Mr. Motivation, David
3: Essel.
0: Uh, coast to Coast every Saturday, six to nine Eastern, three to six Pacific. I wanna remind you as you're listening to the interview right now with Sean Saunders, author of the book, The Covenant of Peace. Seven days a week you can listen to our archive shows at talkdavid.com. We go back years and years. So if you're listening to this conversation about God and abundance and prosperity and you're thinking, oh, my Lord, my mom, my dad, my sister, my brother, my lover could really benefit by hearing Sean's expertise on this subject, then I would say tell them. Show them, guide them, write to talkdavid.com, and after 9 p.m. Eastern, they can go right ahead and listen to it. Um, Sean, go ahead, t- talk to me about your book, uh, The Covenant of Peace. Des- des- describe the title for us.
1: Well, The Covenant of Peace really is comes from the book of Ezekiel, chapter 34, where I found that God had actually made a promise to prosper his people, because he, in the first um, few verses, um, not the first few, but from 1 through 24... He's talking to leadership, and he's speaking to the, sheep's, the shepherds, and he's telling them, you have neglected my sheep. You've taken the best for yourself. You have fed yourself, and you have um, drank the best water. And then after you've dirtied the water, you want my sheep to drink it. And because of this, you have become my enemy. So I'm going to remove you from leadership, and I'm going to appoint a different shepherd. And through this shepherd, I'm going... To prosper my people, I'm going to protect them so that they will no longer be prey to the people, to the wild animals that would want to eat them. I, I will prosper them. I will give them a bountiful harvest. I will send showers of blessings upon their lives, and I will set them free. The thing that really stuck with me was that I believed in the prosperity already, but one of the promises of this covenant is that God would set... The sheep, his people, free from those that enslave them, enslave them to wrong thinking, wrong practices, wrong behaviors, wrong everything. God said, you know what, that time has come. People need to understand that I'm a loving, caring God. I care about everything about them. I'm the one that created them, the spirit being in their physical body, and I would not have put them here if they were not unique beings with a purpose. And so as I began to read this, I said, oh my goodness, a covenant really is a promise, a promise that cannot be broken. So mm-hmm. if God had made a promise in the Old Testament that he is going to prosper his people, how does this apply to the Christian person who believes in the New Testament? And and then I, I looked at the covenant, and I realized that a covenant always requires three elements, and one of the elements was missing. And something else that, that stuck out to me was that God said I would appoint David to be a shepherd. And I'm like, how could it be David? David was already dead. Um And right. this was, was said. So I knew then that it had could not really be David, but a descendant of David. And then the element that was missing from the covenant was the sealing. Every time a covenant was made in the Bible, it was a promise that conditions, and then it was sealed with blood. And the blood seal was missing in this in this case because God was making the covenant by himself. So when I I said, are there any other covenants God made by himself? Yes, there was another one, which was the New Testament, um, which people call the New Testament, which is actually a new covenant. And God made that covenant by himself, but it never was sealed by blood until Jesus came and was crucified. So I realized that when Jesus came, he was that shepherd that God was talking about, and he put him over his people as opposed to um, having the high priest, etc., as before. And through Mm -hmm. Jesus... Um, Christians then came into an inheritance of grace and mercy and forgiveness because in the Old Testament you did something wrong you were condemned you you die but then in the New Testament now you could sin God forgive you you move on because of Jesus so I as I read through the covenant I said wow that means that even though I am in the church and even though I may be observing church leadership you know un, un, unashamedly uh, you know telling the world of their uh, excessive uh, financial situation while other people are desperately in need of money, that means that I don't need to worry about that because God is holding them accountable. He has already said, you have become my enemy because this is what you're doing. So for every leadership that is exploiting the people, that is taking Mm. what the people have, there's an accountability on their part. But there's also an accountability on the part of the sheep to follow the voice of the shepherd that is now saying, listen, I want to bless you. That is not my plan, what you're seeing right now. Come back to me. Let me teach you how to be prosperous, not only financially, but I want you physically healthy. I want you spiritually stable. I want you to have a fantastic family life, wonderful friends and family, because the Bible also says to work and enjoy that, and it's a gift from God so why is it then that we're not enjoying it because we don't know that it is an inherited it is a blessing it is a covenant it is a promise from god so i named the book the covenant because i need people to understand that it is a promise that cannot be broken now i could have made it fancy and hide the, the the covenant into the book but i feel as though people already have to dig too deep to find the truth Right. So you pick it up, you know it's a covenant, and the covenant is an agreement it's right off the top. If you want to be in right. agreement, then you read it.
0: Well, Sean, one of the most important messages that we're getting out there today is hopefully breaking the spell that's been placed upon so many people that God is a vengeful, angry, judgmental God. Right. and that he wants us to suffer. And the words that you're bringing are so important for us to listen to about just the opposite of that, a loving, caring God that wants us to be incredibly abundant so in our abundance we can continue to follow the path of others who make differences in this world in a healthy way with their money.
1: Yes, yes. And, you know, one of the things, David, that people don't understand is that you don't have to be a minister or uh, somebody who, you know, you don't have to be ordained in the church to make a difference as a person of of, spirit, of faith. You, I consider, I'm not ordained in any church. I am, um, you know, I am a, I call, consider myself a marketplace minister. My job is to make people aware of God in a spiritual way through the perp- through the course of doing business. So mm. in, in doing business, I have to portray myself in a way that people say, wow, what is that about you? I mean, you have such a calm spirit, or you're this and that. What is that about you? And I can say, wow, thank you for asking. You know, I'm, I'm really a spiritual person. I pray, I meditate, whatever. But my thing right. is to reach out to people outside of the church. People don't even want to go to church. People don't want to go to church. They're so turned right. off by church.
0: Right, I don't exactly. even like telling
1: people sometimes that I'm a Christian because it shuts a door before they can even get to know me. I just it's want funny. you to... Hmm?
0: No, go right ahead. You just want...
1: I just want people to see that, you know what, this, there's something about this woman that draws me to her, and I wonder what it is, and let them discover the spiritual side of me in the way that God really intends for us to share who He is. And so I don't like to come out and say, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm this. I, I, I just simply be what I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to love. I'm supposed to, to, to show the light of who God is through my life. So that's how I try to live. And not in judgment of anyone, because God created everybody in His own image. So that means every time I look at a person, whatever I see displayed in the front of me is all a part of God's creation. I am to appreciate that beauty. Because right all of on. it is beautiful.
0: It is. It is. I love that. I love Sean Saunders, my guest, the author of the book, The Covenant of Peace. For more information on Sean, the website is sean-saunders.com, sean-saunders.com. Sean, Sean, thank you so much for joining us today and giving us great food for thought and shifting one of the most important belief systems we could shift about who truly God is in the world of abundance and prosperity versus judgment and suffering. I so appreciate your message.
1: Thank you, David, and thanks for
0: having me. You're welcome. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend. You too. You bet. 1-800-548-TALK. 1-800-548-TALK. That's the toll-free number. Text us during the show, 941-266-7676. 941-266-7676. Or 1-800-548-TALK. So much more to come. We're going to be getting to all of your emails, all of your texts, and, of course, the ones that are coming in right now as well. And then we've got even more for the rest of the show. So you hang in there. We're going to get to all of your questions. I'm David Essel. The website, TalkDavid.com. Stay right there.
3: One of the reasons millions of people never recover from their addictions to alcohol, smoking, drugs, sex, or unhealthy relationships is that they don't want to heal in a group setting. Master addiction recovery coach David Essel is sensitive to this need, so 20 years ago, he created a holistic addiction recovery program that's done privately, one-on-one. Since then, he's helped thousands of people recover through his highly unique holistic recovery program. Visit TalkDavid.com today, one-on-one from anywhere in the USA. TalkDavid.com.
2: Office machines and toner are a fact of life in every business. But why pay high dealer prices for your toner cartridges? Call the Toner Kings. They sell all toner cartridges for up to 60% less. The Toner Kings have been in business for over 18 years, and they offer free shipping and a 100% quality guarantee on every purchase. So head online to thetonerkings.com. That's thetonerkings.com. Mention you heard this ad on XM Radio and get an additional 20% off your first toner order.
0: david.com
2: are you ready to create the life you've always wanted here's what a few clients had to say about their coaching sessions with master life coach david essel
0: you know in four short months our sales have climbed more than 150 percent in what is termed a declining marketplace i look forward to what we can continue to create together
1: david helped us rebuild our marriage after an affair we can't imagine how we could have done this without him
2: You can have what these clients have found, working one-on-one with David at talkdavid.com. That's talkdavid.com. Are you ready to create the life you've always wanted? Here's what a few clients had to say about their coaching sessions with Master Life Coach David Essel.
0: You know, in four short months, our sales have climbed more than 150% in what is termed a declining marketplace. I look forward to what we can continue to create together.
1: David helped us rebuild our marriage after an affair. We can't imagine how we could have done this without him.
2: You can have what these clients have found working one-on-one with David at TalkDavid.com. That's TalkDavid.com.
3: Life is short, and it's getting shorter every day. Are you finished procrastinating over your biggest goals in life? Would you like to finally make a lot more money or lose that extra fat? It's time to stop talking about goals and actually achieve them. Master Life Coach David Essel can help you accomplish your biggest goals in life. Register today for any of David's life coaching plans at TalkDavid.com and get an extra session with David absolutely free. Visit TalkDavid.com today.
2: You're tuned in to David Essel Live, America's positive radio show. Like us on Facebook and listen to hundreds of inspirational archive shows at TalkDavid.com. Now here's your host, Mr. Motivation, David Essel.
0: Oh, we be rocking across the USA every Saturday, 6 to 9 Eastern. Welcome aboard, gang. Hey, if you're stuck right now, you're listening to the show and you're stuck, you're struggling with an addiction or money or love or your body or your life purpose, whatever it might be, call us, 800-548-TALK. Eight hundred five four eight. talk Text us, 941 This is the time of the show that we get to finally share with you some of the answers to some of our listeners' questions. Um, I need to lose 40 pounds, and no program like Weight Watchers, uh, Nutrisystem, et cetera, has ever worked. My family is all overweight, but as you said before, it's probably not genetics, and it's, it probably isn't. I am not kidding you. We get this all the time. We get so many people wanting to blame genetics, and about 6% of the time it's genetics. That means 94% of the time it is not. So what do we do? You know, I, I want to, to give you one of my my friends, J.J. Virgin, has an amazing book out called The Virgin Diet. So the very first thing I'm going to do is grab that book because in there, she has put out a plan to help you see the challenges of weight loss with some type of food allergies. Uh, gluten is probably one of the most popular ones in the news these days, but there's many, many more that people struggle with. They had no idea that that's what's keeping the extra weight on. Of course, emotional eating, you know, doing it. What we do is we do with all of our clients a 21-day food recall, the time of day, the amount of food or drink, the exact amount, and, and we talk to them about that, and we see that people like won't eat all day long or very little bit of food in the daytime, and then all of a sudden at night, they justify all these higher carbohydrate foods, which will screw with any weight loss attempt. So there's a couple things right there um, that I would look at. But the emotional overeating is probably the number one thing that leads to weight loss. And some people do it during the daytime. You know, they'll overeat at lunch. They'll overeat in the afternoon snacks. The 2.30, 3 o'clock, all of a sudden they find themselves eating food that they really don't need because they're emotionally stressed, not because the body is in need of it. So think about those things. 1-800-548-TALK, text nine four one two six six seven six seven six. 266 Financial independence, what does that mean? I hear you say the words all the time. What is the first step to get there? So, you know, the basic definition of financial independence we use is that we never think negatively about money. We don't worry about money. We don't stress about money. We have enough money in the bank where that when bills come up, we just pay them. We have enough money in the bank when surprises come up, we pay the surprises. And we're just not. I mean, that's really, to me, what financial independence is. You can be financially independent at $10,000 a year. You can be financially independent at $500,000 a year. Or you can be financially stressed at 10000 or 500000 As a matter of fact, a week from this Wednesday, July 23rd, we do our Financial Freedom Now workshop. It's two hours long. You can join from anywhere in the U.S. via teleconference. Information on our homepage, financialfreedomnowtalkdavid.com. Go join us. It's only 27 bucks for two hours, and we talk about these things. Um, so financial independence is just like being comfortable with money, that we're not stressed. Oh, yeah, I've got to get new tires. Okay, well, let me just go into this account and get the new tires, and we're not, like, freaking out over it. You know and and it takes time and planning and discipline to get to the place of financial independence. It takes a lot of discipline. it takes looking at your expenses, it takes looking at your income. It takes for most of us deciding to decrease your expenses and when possible, increase your income but those those that formula is pretty simple. We just don 't take the time to do it, do we? If you need help, email me at talkdavid.com. Uh, several weeks ago, you had a guest on Tom North whose family – oh, no, this is yours, mine, and ours. I couldn't, I couldn't understand what they were talking about. They had the words all backwards. They had the name of the movie that Tom North's family was um, – uh, this family was actually the foundation for the movie Yours, Mine, and Ours – and I think he said it was it came out like in the 60s or something like that and they were supposed to be the perfect family, 20 children, eight from one family, 12 from another. They got together kind of like the Brady Bunch thing and they did this movie where that they showed it was this really happy family and Tom North came out with a book that said it was anything but that. Uh so the the, the question goes on and says how did he let go of his anger at his stepdad? And he said he did it in two ways. Number one was that they did intense counseling. He said as a family, years later, they did really intense counseling, like weekends upon weekends upon weekends, where him and his older adult brothers and sisters got together and found a counselor and sat down and went through it. Uh, his stepfather, who he wrote about in the book was quite hellacious, actually came to one or two of those meetings and at first was in denial, but then eventually accepted the fact that, yes, he had done some really horrendous things to the kids. And then the other, so intense counseling, number one, and then the other answer he gave was transcendental meditation. He said that he really felt that that was a huge aid in, in the work that he did to overcome his childhood abuse. And if you want to listen to that archived interview, it was a great interview, by the way, about any child that was abused emotionally and or physically that now looks back and sees that that's the case, listen to the interview at talkdavid.com. Just go to our archive page and then scroll down for Tom North. You'll, you'll love it. 1-800-548-TALK. 1-800-548-TALK. Text us during the show, 941-266-7676. Uh, My sister has breast cancer and an amazing attitude. I have the best life ever, and it's never enough. How do I switch? That is an interesting, interesting statement. A sister who has breast cancer with a great attitude, and you have life by the tail, but it's never enough, which tells me you don't have a great attitude. Would that be correct? And that happens with a lot of people. A lot of people, when they look down at their life, if they were to stand outside of it and judge it, would say, holy cow, I've got it pretty good here. But we don't have any gratitude for what we have. Isn't that interesting? Get, get my free book, The Power of Focus. My very first answer is going to be, make sure you get the free book, The Power of Focus. In there, we have a whole thing about gratitude. We have um, a, a, something really important about gratitude. We believe that it's being grateful for what we have right now in this very moment is the first most powerful move of gratitude. And then later... After you master that, you can go ahead and be grateful for what is going to come down the road. But if you can't be grateful for what you have right now, and I mean the car you drive, even though if if it isn't a perfect car, the house you live in, even if it isn't perfect, the body you have, even if it isn't perfect, whatever we're talking about, we're saying having gratitude for what you have in this present moment. I'm not saying if it's good or if it's not good. I'm saying have, be grateful, step number one. Um, step number two is there's a, a, another wonderful book. After you get our free book, The Power of Focus, get Dr. Joe Dispenza's book, You Are the Placebo. We had Dr. Joe on the week that his book came out a month ago, and the book is phenomenal. And it talks about how much power and control we have over our attitudes if we were just to realize it. You know, the thought that we create about not having enough and my life is going to get better when this happens. My life is going to be great when that happens. That type of attitude never comes to fruition for most of us. Because when we make more money or we get the relationship or we lose the weight, we want more. Like we're never satisfied. Isn't that amazing? So in the Power of Focus book at the website, talkdavid.com, which is free, we talk and we lead you through an exercise about how to stay in gratitude on a daily basis for what you currently have. And once you master that, you will have the attitude of your sister. Your sister has breast cancer, and she has a great attitude. Think about how what I'm saying and what she's doing is identical. She has found a way to have gratitude for her current state, and that's what I would recommend that you do. Make sure, as we talk all the time, that you pay attention to what you listen to on a daily basis, what you watch on a daily basis, what you read on a daily basis, who you hang out with. Many clients that we work with, after just a few weeks, we'll start seeing a pattern That the people they hang out with are not for their best interest, that they may have quote-unquote best friends that are gossipers, that are liars, that are cheats, that are all these kind of things that are filled with drama and chaos. And the more you hang out with those people, the worse your life is going to get. So you can turn it all around. It might mean letting people go. It might mean letting addictions go. But you have the power to turn it all around and I want you to realize that. Hey, coming up in just a couple minutes, Guilda Wayaka is coming back on, talking about the power of shamanism combined with medicine. You're going to get a kick out of this one. Ghost hunters are going to be involved as well. Isn't that a trip? Hey, all of our shows are archived at talkdavid.com. We want you to get the most out of life, and gosh darn it, we're part of that process. We will help you do it every Saturday. I'm David Essel. Stay right there.